I want to encourage you uh, to uh, open your Bibles to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6. And John opens uh, this chapter with a story that I preached uh, not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, about Jesus feeding the 5,000. The key that I want you to pick up on is in verse 3. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside, and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. The Jewish festival of Passover is kind of a critical component to John chapter 6. We're going to hop over the story of the feeding of the thousands, and then we're going to pick up in John chapter 6, verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat, and they set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of those he's given me, but raise them up at the last day. 
For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him, they shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the Living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples, they turned back and they no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And in verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. In John chapter 6, we get a picture 
of how John perceives Jesus in light of the Passover. Now, to know the Passover, you need to know the Exodus story. And the Exodus story is, uh, is the sort of critical moment of the life of the Israelites. The book of Exodus is all about how God is delivering the Israelite people out of Egyptian slavery and into the promised land. It is the story of God's rescue of his people. And uh, God sends Moses to deliver the Israelites. The Israelites are grumbling and complaining. They are crying out to God and saying, would you remember us, that you would that you would deliver us, that we would be your people. And God hears their grumbling. And it's interesting in the story in John 6, paying attention to all the times that the people are grumbling and complaining and saying, well, this is too hard, and we need food to eat, or how are we going to provide this? John, I think, wants us to see Jesus as a part of this greater Exodus story, that Jesus was dealing with people who were sort of complaining and And he has an interesting way of just sort of drawing out what God is doing. And so in the story of the Israelites and the Exodus story, we have a few different things going on. And I want to ask you to pay attention to a few of them. The first is bread, the second is water, and the third is blood. And I think you get all three of those things in John chapter 6. And you definitely get them in the story of the Passover. And so I just want you to pay attention to three things. Three. Blood, water, and bread. When the Israelites are uh, held captive as slaves in Egypt, uh, God makes 2020 rain down on the Israelites, or on the Egyptians, rather. And uh, they have had enough of 2020, and they said, okay, you send them, uh, you, you have them, God. And so then uh, the Israelites are set free. And the sort of first component of understanding what's going on in John chapter 6 is the story of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. They are looking uh, to God for their provision. They are a people on the move. They haven't been, uh, you know, there's no grocery stores along the way, and there's many thousands of them. They are completely dependent upon God for their daily provisions. And so God provides for them. They start complaining, but God provides for them manna from heaven. And it's, uh, it's, Hard to describe, but basically they just came to call it bread from heaven, bread uh, for their daily sustenance. It was provided for them every day, six days a week, and a little bit extra on Fridays so that they would have enough on Saturday. And every person could collect as much as they want, and they would have their fill, and they would be satisfied. This was the same thing every day, over and over and over again, but it was a a steady and faithful promise that God was providing for his people. And it was this, this steady reminder of every day of God's faithfulness, that God was faithful to his people and he remembered them. And he was providing for them. And so when Jesus says that he's the bread of life, and he even brings up manna from heaven, and he talks about Moses, he's saying, I am, I am God's provision for the world. Jesus is saying, I am here to show you and remind you that God is not only faithful in the everyday present needs of hunger, but I am also here for your everyday present need for deliverance from death, for the gift of eternal life. 
And if you will have me, you will have life. If you reject me, you won't. So Jesus says, I'm the bread of life because he wants us to move from death to a new life in him. From slavery to sin to a a new exodus and to a new life in God's kingdom. And so Jesus stating he's the bread of life is this gift to the world that we know that God is providing for us all that we need for salvation. But it's also this gift and reminder to us of God's steady faithfulness in every situation. That Jesus is the bread of life is a reminder of he is our daily bread. That we can pray, give us, Lord, our daily bread, and we can know that it's not just our daily provisions, but it is the daily provisions of his grace and his mercy and his love. Lord, give us this bread. Give us this bread you speak of. That's a prayer right there. If we would pray it every day, give us this bread that sustains us and provides for us and shows us your faithfulness. So then there's a story in John chapter 6 about Jesus walking on water and rescuing his people. The disciples were afraid, and before they know it, they're on the other side of the lake. In the Exodus story, once, uh, once the Israelites are sent out from Egypt, the uh, Egyptian army is hot on their tail, and they come up to the Red Sea, and God parts the Red Sea, and he sees God's people through onto the other side. This has always been the sort of critical point of the story of of God delivering his people through and seeing them through to the other side. And so when you think about that story and and then you read John chapter 6 and you see the distress of the disciples and Jesus says, don't be afraid, and then it, it concludes with Jesus leading the disciples and getting the boat onto the other side of the lake and safely on the other side of the shore. I think it's this nod, it's this reminder, this sort of hint that says God is the one who sees us through to the other side. That God is the one who steps into the midst of storms and he leads his people onto the other side into safety. And while it feels like for all of us we're in the midst of the storm, we need to remember the promises that God is the one who sees people through onto the other side. That he is strong enough, he's faithful enough, that he is capable of leading us and that he wants to be present with us and lead us through. And so I see this quick reminder that God is faithful and God is powerful and God is one who is able to deliver his people. He delivered the Israelites from slavery and he will deliver his people from sin and death. He wants to see us through to the other side. And I think we need those reminders. We need that daily sort of encouragement. That God is present. And he is the God who goes before us and he's the God who goes with us. That he will see us through to the other side. And it might be the other side of 2020. It might be the other side, in fact, of life. On the other side of a life filled with sin, 
He's strong enough to see us through and deliver us to new life. Bread, water, blood. Jesus says this really weird thing. The disciples who hear it are pretty perplexed by it. And if we're honest, when we read it again today in the 21st century, it seems equally confusing and strange. If you're looking for followers, you probably shouldn't tell people to eat your flesh and drink your blood. It's still a bit of a weird thing to say. And for many of them, they hear it and they aren't sure what to make of it and they leave. But if you would listen to John telling us to pay attention to the Exodus story, I think the story helps us quite a bit. On the night that uh, is called Passover, that God would pass over uh, Egypt and take the firstborn children, they were instructed to take the blood of the lamb and to basically paint it over their doorframe. And this, this became the way to designate God's people was the blood of the lamb. It became the way that, uh, that the Israelites would remember God's faithfulness. That it was the blood of the lamb that would protect them and wash them. And it was the blood of the lamb that would separate them from the world. And so when Jesus invites the disciples to drink his uh, blood and eat his flesh, he's pointing thus to the cross and he's pointing us to the blood of the lamb that was spilled so that we would all be found righteous, that we would all be found as the children of God. And so when he says, eat, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's not uh, calling us into stra some strange cult, but he's calling us into this wonderful family where we are the children of God and we belong to him because we are ones who are washed in the blood of the lamb. We are the ones who believe in him and his sacrifice and his gift of life to us. And so the invitation is, is that we would believe in this new exodus. That we would believe that there is this gift to us in the name of, uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And there is a very pointed uh, sort of question that is posed at the very end of this, and it comes from the mouth of Jesus, are you going to leave also? Are you going to go with everyone else and the rest of the world, or are you going to stay with me? And Peter gives the answer that all of us need to give. And the answer to the question of where, uh, are we going to also leave, the answer is simply, where else would we go? You're the one who has the words for eternal life. And you're the Holy One of God. There is a, simply put, a God-shaped hole in all of us. And that's a weird thing to say, but it's as simple as saying that there is something missing when we don't have God. And we try to fill it with so many other things. And the people, when they show up and they are looking at Jesus, they come to 
to Jesus with what they think is a hole in their stomach. We're hungry. Feed us something. And they start grumbling and they start complaining. And God provides for them what they need. But what they didn't know is that they were looking for something more and something better. And Jesus offers it to them. He says, if you really want to have life, you have to have me. You have to have my blood and you have to have my body broken for you. If you really want to find completeness, if you really want to find joy, if you really want new life, if you really want deliverance onto the other side, you have to have me. This is what Jesus says to them, and they aren't sure. But some of them stay, and some of them learn that Jesus is the one to eternal life. Jesus is the one who's the Holy One of God. I want to encourage you, if you made it this far into the service, and you haven't given your life to Christ, and hopefully the Spirit is working on your heart right now, that Jesus still wants to fill that hole in your heart. And He still wants to be the one that you live for. And so I would simply say, do you agree with Peter? And if you agree with Peter, then you need to turn your life back towards God and seek Jesus and his kingdom. That if you agree with Peter, then you're ready to be baptized and to be uh, buried in your old life and raised into new life in God and his spirit. That if you agree with Peter and you've been baptized and you have new life in Christ, if you agree with Peter, then he's the one who takes foremost in your life. That Jesus is your king and he's leading you every step of the way. And that message is for all of us. Whether you belong to the Lord yet or if you've been a faithful Christian for a long time. It's the confession of Peter that shapes our community together. It's the confession of Peter that adjusts our priorities and what we do with our lives and how we live. Because friends, we are part of a greater exodus. A greater exodus from sin and death to a life in the Spirit where we are filled with the Spirit of Christ and the life we have is filled with joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Does the world need more Spirit-filled people in it? Does it need people who give Jesus the priority of their life? Will you go and will you be the light in this world of Jesus Christ's people shining brightly in a dark world that so desperately needs him? Will you be the child of God you're called to be? Let's pray 
and we'll conclude. Heavenly Father, we love you, and I thank you for your faithful word. God, how you show us that Jesus is a part of the greater exodus, delivering us from sin and death. We trust and we know that your word can find its way into our hearts and change us. And so we pray that for us, for individually and corporately, that your word would take over our hearts. That your spirit would go to work on each of us and reveal to us, God, our brokenness. Things that we still need to be delivered from. God, we repent of all of the ways in which we've fallen away from you. We pray for your help, for your guidance, and for your presence, Lord. Remind us today that you are the God who goes before us and the God who goes with us. That you are the God who sees us to the other side, that you are the bread of life, that you are the light of the world. Comfort us with these promises from your word that we might be a faithful people. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. That concludes our prayer and message service. I'd encourage you to do a, a few different things. One is uh, to reach out and connect to your church family. Uh, there's still a lot going on with everyone individually and just uh, continue to call and check in on uh, your church family. And it's so incredibly important that we stay connected. The second thing is, uh, if you would please pray for the leadership and pray for our church family as we uh, sit down and figure out uh, the next steps and how we'll move forward. And so we'll, we'll communicate those things as soon as we have them figured out. Uh, the third thing is, is to make sure that uh, you can encourage your kids, and I'll, I'll post something later uh, on the family page of just a fun video uh, for the kids to watch about Jesus being the bread of life. Um, I'd also uh, like to uh, just encourage you that if you have any questions or concerns, you can reach out, uh, reach out to me. That's uh, totally great. And uh, you can send me a text or give me a call. You can call the church and it'll go right to my cell phone. So if you have any questions or concerns about what's going on, um, please uh, just let me know and give me a holler. You can also reach out to your leadership. Uh, and they're here to support and guide and protect, and uh, they have been great throughout all of this, and they truly have uh, the best interests of our community uh, and our church family at heart. I want to uh, thank you for being uh, so encouraging, and so many people reached out and said uh, they're praying for me, and, and I appreciate that. Uh, very much. Uh, but please pray for those who are shut in. Pray for those who are in nursing homes who uh, can't see personally uh, their loved ones. Pray for those uh, who are facing uh, racial injustice. Pray for our police officers and uh, for those who are trying to restore peace. 
pray for our uh, global leadership, pray for our local leadership, pray for our nation. Pray that we might live peaceful lives for God's glory. Pray for unity in communities. Pray that we might have God's peace reign in our church family and shine as an example to the world of what, of what it looks like to treat people as though they are created in the image of God. There's a lot of work to do. And so for me right now, I, I just need to work on my heart and prepare it for what's next. To spend time with God and draw near to him. And I hope that you will too. I hope that we'll all seek him and seek his will and trust in him. Thank you for joining us. May God bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you and give you his peace. God bless.